It's time for the Rich Eisen Podcast. Larry David here on the Rich Eisen Podcast. Now, when you're watching a game, do you look at the game and see a job on the field that you think you can do? Okay, first of all, there's no question in my mind that I could be an offensive coordinator. None other than Charles Barkley. There's two things. Uh, there's slight concussion and a slight heart attack. It's only a slight concussion and a slight heart attack when it happens to other people. I'm completely surrounded by management, and I am flouting the wardrobe policy here. Thankfully, I've got Peter King on the phone right now. You'll never guess how I'm dressed. Uh, I would ask you to text me a picture, but that would be a problem, certainly from where I'm currently sitting. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Presented by Papa John's, here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to a playoff edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John's. We have a jam-packed show in store for you. With everybody, I guess, raising their level of play in the NFL this time of year, I figured I should do the same. So Charles Barkley is going to call in and be my playoff expert. And uh, we're going to set up the playoffs in, uh, in a bracket format, sort of like, you know, it's the NCAA tournament, and have Charles walk me through game by game until we get his Super Bowl prediction and winner that's Charles Barkley, who's uh, making a return appearance here on the podcast presented by Papa John's. Jason Lockenfour is going to make heads or tails of the very fluid situations going on in 20 teams right now. Every team that didn't make the postseason going through some form of evaluation, whether it's their coaching staff or their front office staff. Uh, so many teams have either fired their coaches or are thinking of firing their coaches or are trying to change general managers or are already trying to assess what the next step is. It's a it's something that Jason's going to tiptoe lightly for because obviously uh, we don't want to date this podcast that sits there on NFL.com all week. But I feel uh, it's the, the hot topic in the NFL right now outside of the playoffs. A guy that you would think would be on – uh, everybody's wish list to be a coach in the NFL. Certainly, if you are not afraid to reach into the college ranks and get a coach to come to the NFL, Urban Meyer, the former now Florida coach, he's going to join us calling in. I want to pick his brain about whether he wants to coach in the NFL. We haven't heard his name out there. Uh, Urban Meyer is also tight with Belichick. These guys uh, have known each other for a few years now. I want to delve into the nature of that relationship and why so many Florida Gators seem to wind up on the Patriots roster. And they're now 14-2, and two, waiting to see if they get the Jets, waiting to see if they uh, maybe even get the Ravens coming to their house or even the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional rounds. We'll talk with them and uh, switch gears. We've never had a Palm d'Or winner on the podcast uh, but we're gonna we're gonna have one. Steven Soderbergh, the noted Academy Award winning director, he has been watching an an absurd amount of NFL television over the past few weeks. He has agreed to be the podcast's de facto NFL television media critic, and um, he's one of the more intelligent men I've ever met. He is uh, a funny, funny guy with an incredible perspective on everything, not just the NFL, but also the business of the NFL and the way it looks on television. And uh, Steven Soderbergh is going to join us later on. And I do have to ask him if he is going to actually retire from filmmaking, as Matt Damon was quoted as saying that Soderbergh told him he would. I hope that's not the case. Uh, Steven's going to join us later on the Rich Eisen podcast that is now officially off and running.
Let's talk 2010 playoffs and welcome back for a second appearance this year on the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's, one of the 50 greatest NBA players of all time and one of the best analysts on sports television, Charles Barkley. Charles, how are you? I'm doing great, my brother. How are you? I'm better for having you on this program. That's that's honest. That's honest truth right there. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk these playoffs. Let's talk. I want to know who's going to win the Super Bowl. What I want to do is pretty much set this up. I want to set this up like a, like an NCAA tournament bracket and go game by game until until you give me a winner. Let's. Do I will it. tell. You, I will tell you this. Yeah. Other than the New England Patriots, mm-hmm. it would not. Well, okay. And, and and the first game is Saints against Seattle. Yeah. I would be totally. It wouldn't surprise me at all whoever won those other games, to be honest with you. I mean, clearly the Patriots are the favorite. Mm-hmm. And New Orleans got a, clearly got a, a better team. They might not win the game, but they got a better team than Seattle. Mm-hmm. But when you sit down and look at these other games, I don't think you can say you would be totally shocked if anybody won, to be honest with you. It's the game. So let's, yeah. let's go for it. Well, let's go for it. But uh, with, with the Saints and Seahawks, so you're going to go with the Saints, obviously, in, in this game. In Seattle. Well, I, I am going to go with the Saints. I just think that, you know, Seattle, you know, clearly, you know, people are making a big deal out of their record. And I do think they need to change that rule. What do you think about uh, that rule? Well, I, I don't think you, you're taking the significance out of the regular season. Uh, they, they, they deserve to be in the playoffs because they won their division. But I don't think you can reward them with a home game. I think that is totally unfair to the regular season. That takes a lot of the credibility of the regular season out of the way. And not only that, if you look at, uh, you know, I've been studying this thing for the first couple of days. If you look at just like four different games that the team with the worst record is playing on the ro- with a better record is playing on the road. And that takes away the importance of the regular season. I agree with you that I think the Seahawks should still make it because, you know, if you win your division, that's that's it. I mean, obviously the NBA, uh, they've, they've had uh, some division winners that aren't nearly as good as other division winners, but you still make it. In my estimation, the Seahawks should be the sixth seed. You just reseed it that they are on the they, they have to start on the road. They, they shouldn't be home. Well, I mean, but and, and, and that's one of those simple arguments. You, you're, you're, you're not rewarding teams for the regular season. Uh, that that's a thing that that's blatantly unfair to me. I mean, you reward teams for the regular season, and they're not doing that in the NFL right now. So, would you say would you kick Seattle out of the playoffs entirely and put the Buccaneers in? Is that what you're doing? No, 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 no. I okay. think you 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 reward them for winning their division because okay. it's not their fault. You know, one of my big pet peeves with the BCS is strength of schedule. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is why is it? Let's say if you're in the Pac-10. Why are you, do you get penalized because the rest of the team in your conference suck? <laughs> really? You know, I, I, I do. I've always thought strength of schedule. Like, clearly a lot of these teams play cream puff during the preseason uh, portion of their schedule. But once you get to a conference play, why is it your fault that the rest of your conference sucks? I think that's really unfair. That's my number one problem with the BCS. And also when you beat a team – and it's impressive in September, and then the loss, the win some, suddenly becomes less impressive in October and November because the team's losing. When you're playing a team, they're they're either a hot team or they're not, and if you beat them on the road, it's as impressive as, as the day as it was as opposed to what their record is moving on. At, at least that's my thought on the BCS, too. I 100% agree with you, but also uh, the, the, I just think it's just unfair that you have to blow people out. You know, like... You know, sometimes there are different scenarios. You got, 
you know, sometimes a team, they just down that week. They mm-hmm. might have a couple of nagging injuries, but also you factor in robbery games where these bad teams rise up to play their rival. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just so many variables in that strength of schedule and point differential and things like that. I just think that's unfair. All right, let's return to the pro game then. Um, so the Saints move on. Uh, let's, move on. let's do this by uh, by by uh, conference. So then the Packers Eagles. How do you see that one? What a great game that's going to be. That's going to be a great game. But I'm going to go with the Pats, the Packers, because gonna... I just I, I do. I think their defense is better. Uh, I think their defense is better. To be honest with you, uh, and you know I'm a you know I've been pulling for Michael Vick all season, but I just think that defense of the Eagles. You know they're a little. Uh, I don't think all that blessing is going to work against Aaron Rodgers. I don't believe that. I think their wide receivers are too good. I think their tight end is too good. You know, I know they lost the Finley kid early in the season, but the other kid is just as good. Yeah, the Qualis guy is. Yeah, I do. Uh, But I think their wide receivers are fantastic. And I think their defense is better than the Eagles, so I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. What did you think of Tucker Carlson's comment on Vic, that he should have been executed? Uh, yeah, I thought that was uh, unfortunate, inexcusable. And, uh, you, know, you know, Rich, one of the dirtiest secrets in America is people who go to jail and pay their debt. You know, people kind of get them with a black mark. They're not, Michael Vick went to prison, he paid his dues, and... Listen, some people are going to forgive him, some people are not. But to say the guy should be executed is ridiculous. And and what do you think of uh, of the Eagles' decision to um, postpone a game in a blizzard? The 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 uh, the the governor Ed Rendell, you you probably know. Uh, I, I know the governor really. He was I knew him when he was the mayor. Actually, that's I, right. I'm, he was I'm the mayor of Philly. He, I've seen him since he was the governor. I knew him well when he was the mayor. I think that, you know, he, he's got the term limit in Pennsylvania. Yeah. He's got too much time on his hands. <laughs> he, does. he said we're, it shows that we're a nation of wusses now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he, he's a guy who doesn't have a job now because he, <laughs> he can't run again, and he just wanted to be on TV. I, I, personally, I personally believe this, and you can call me a wuss or whatever. I think that all cold-weather teams should have a dome with a retractable roof because – First of all, it sucks for the players, but it's got to suck for the fans to be sitting out there. But you know, I, I believe that. But the history of the game is 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 wrapped in cold, like the the ice bowl, uh, the 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 AFC Championship game between the Bengals and the Chargers years ago, and I think in the early eighties that uh, the game was played in negative fifty nine degrees. I mean, it happens. Yeah, I understand that, but to me, as a player, it can't be any yeah. fun. And to be honest with you, as a fan, it wouldn't be any fun. You know, uh, right. I just to me, I, I just I want to see these guys play on the fastest field so the guys can show their talent. And I think if it's cold and snowy and rainy, it takes a lot of talent out the game. That's just my opinion. So, I'm not, and and, and listen, hey, I'll be the first to admit, I live in Arizona, so I'm a wolf. <laughs> you know, Dion always mentions how uh, he's he's a mercenary in his career that he he could pretty much choose where he was playing. And uh, he was drafted to a dome team, and he after that had a choice wherever he wanted to go. He didn't go to Green Bay. He didn't go to. He didn't go anywhere where it was cold. He wanted to go where it was warm every single time. He's from Fort Myers, Florida. So you know, I asked, I asked my football friends about you know because people people always say, hey, you know, once the game start, you warm up. And my friends who play pro football, so that's the most idiotic statement in the world. You're freezing your butt off the whole time. <laughs> they say you never get warm. 
The only time you're warm when you're sitting on the bench on that heated bench. The rest of the time you're freezing. Before we get back to the playoffs here, Dion, when I told him you were coming on the podcast this week, when we, just, we sit next to each other watching games every Sunday, uh, he told me this great story of how you guys first met. He was in Florida State, and you guys uh, were hanging out, and he he wanted to he had to go home for curfew. You wanted to take him out, but he said he had to hop a cab, and you handed him uh, cab fare. You know, Dion, you know, I've known Dion, you're right, since he was at Florida State. Right. And he is one of the great people I've ever met in my life, and he is a really good dude. And, you know, I'm mad at Dion. So Dion used the best line I've heard explaining sports this whole year. What is that? And I want to use it, but I'm going I'm to I'm I'm give him credit when I use it. Mm-hmm. He talked about, uh, you know, they were talking about the Donovan McNabb situation in, in Washington. And Dion said about the weapons in Washington around around Donovan, you wouldn't even get you arrested at the airport. <laughs> that is the best line I've heard this year. He's one of the funniest guys I've ever met, Dion. He's one of the funniest guys in the world. But that is the line of the year because I totally agree with that. <laughs> he wouldn't even get you a pat down, basically. I know exactly. You know, and, and the other thing is, you know. Quarterback, the one you know, the, you know, Rich. The one thing I figured out about football, mm-hmm. man, it all comes down to the quarterback. And if you don't have a good quarterback, you can't win in the NFL. And I thought the Donovan got a bad rep in Washington because if you look at that team, you can't even name me who the second best player on the. Well, probably the tight end uh, uh, is probably Cooley. Is probably the second best player on that offense. But you can't, you know, and Portis has been out much of the season, but they don't have any weapons in the backfield or a wide receiver. And it's unfortunate. It is what it is. The quarterback always gets the abuse. And, 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 but at least he got a $3.5 million pardon gift from Dan Snyder. I mean, well, you know, and I'm waiting on him. Uh, he should be back to Arizona. He might already be back here. I got to call him, mm-hmm. and I want to help him spend some of that money right away. <laughs> you, but speaking of that, did you, Dion told me how much money you gave him for cab fare. Do you remember how much money you stuck in I his hand? I do not remember. I just wanted to make sure he didn't pay for anything. He said it was $200 you stuck in his hand for cab that was about a. T- Five minute cap, right? But, but I, you know what? I wanted him to have some spending money. <laughs> you know, because he was like a little brother, and I wanted to take care of him. He, he's like I say, he's been a great friend for a long time, and I love watching. But I, I hate that I did not. First of all, I know I'm not smart enough to think of that line. But I, I, I'm gonna tell him I'm gonna use that on TV, especially with some of these bad things I got in the NFL. He told me I mean, he, in the NBA. Yeah, he told me he told me that he looked down at his his fist full of dollars after you handed him two hundred bucks, and he got in the cab and he remembers thinking to himself, "Man, I need to be rich one day." And, uh, <laughs> and he's he there said. now. He's there now. Yeah, he is there now. It's he, it's no longer Neon Dion. It's Primetime Incorporated. It's Primetime well, you know, Inc. It, I'm trying. You know, it'd be a tough contest to figure out who's been stealing money longer, me or Dion. <laughs> He's, I think he's still getting paid by the Redskins or something deep down. He's got he's got to be dead money somewhere. I think I said that to him the other day, and he got he got upset with me. But uh, hey, listen, hey, listen. Thank God neither one of us ever had to get a real job. That's God true. bless him. I know. So you say the Packers beat the Eagles and the Saints beat the Seahawks, which means the Packers would then go to Atlanta, which would be a, a rematch of a super December game between these two teams, in which the Packers tied it up late and then had a, a special teams lapse on the opening of the ensuing kickoff in Atlanta, one with mere seconds to go. Who wins that rematch, Packers and Atlanta, you think? 
Listen, I watched that game as a matter of fact, and uh, Aaron Rodgers threw a great touchdown pass with like less, like a minute to go, mm-hmm. less than a minute to go, and then they had the gap on the kickoff. I actually think Green Bay wins that game. Really? Yes. So the the Atlanta Falcons, with so much going on this year, and the, the dome field advantage, it goes through their dome. You think they're one and done, the Atlanta well, Falcons? If they see the Packers. That. How did that dome field advantage work out when New Orleans came in there two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. That's going to give a lot of teams, because you know, that was the most hyped game, one of the most hyped games of the year, and I'm in Atlanta every week, and they were so pumped for that game. That, to me, is a game you have to win. I truly believe in sports. There are games that you have to win, and the Atlanta Falcons had to win that game. So you think the Packers are still going in there? And, my, and that man, if that happens, Tony Gonzalez. Do you know that Tony Gonzalez, with all of his Hall of Fame credentials, has never won a playoff game? Did you know that? Well, I root for Tony Gonzalez because he's on the list with me. Mm-hmm. You know, every year doing uh, doing all sports, they show the list of the greatest players who never won anything. <laughs> and I root for him. Uh-huh. You know, I always root for Carl Malone and John Stockton. You know, I, I talked to Peyton Manning one time. I said, dude, please win a check if you can get off the list. <laughs> you know, every year, I, I, that's like doing the NBA playoffs. I know every year my name's going to come up. I'm Patrick Ewing. And, uh, and to, I know Tony's name is going to come up every year doing the NFL playoffs. Mm. And, it's, and, and it sucks, too, to be honest with you. All right. So you say he stays on the list. All right. And then, then the Saints go to Chicago for a rematch of the 2006 NFC Championship game that the Bears won. Uh, they go to the Super Bowl that they eventually lost with current Washington Redskins quarterback Rex Grossman. Who do you think wins Saints at Bears in the I division? I think the win? Bears win again. Mm, wow. I do. So you like the Bears over that one uh, in the cold in Chicago? I do. I think the cold is going to be the difference. I do. I think it's, it's going to slow the, the, the Saints down. Playing outside is going to be freezing. The Bears, have got, the Bears really impressed me Sunday. To, to play a game like that with nothing really to play for, that was an impressive job by Coach Smith and the boys in Chicago. Yeah, and Lovey Smith has got had one of the the greatest turnarounds of anybody in a year. I mean, it was just at this point last year he was up there with uh, management in Chicago at a at a press conference ending the season where you know they they all took it on the chin, and now here he is. Forget about being on the hot seat. I mean, he's 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 a coach of the year candidate. It's unbelievable. Well, I, you know, I think that you know you got Erlacher back on defense, and that defense was fantastic all season. But the bottom line is, Jake Cutler played great. And I go back to what we were talking about earlier. The man, the, the quarterback is the key. And what an NFC Championship game you have predicted. Packers at Bears. We in the media will lose it if that is the a- NFC Championship game. Absolutely. Well, you know, you know, in a perfect world, in a perfect world, it'd be the, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles against the Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons. Falcons. That right. would be, that would be the, the, the greatest thing in the history of sports for, for TV. Yeah, I mean, with Vic going back in the Georgia oh. Dome. But in order for that to happen, though, Charles, the Seahawks have to beat the Saints uh, to to have uh, – and then the Eagles would – that way would the Eagles win. They'd have to go to Chicago. And I don't see Seattle winning. As you no, said. I don't I don't see them winning either. But so, that, uh, that would be huge. I, you're right. Uh, Chicago against Green Bay. Mm, who wins and that? And I'm, I'm going to go with the Chicago Bears. Charles Barkley is putting the Chicago Bears in the Super Bowl. As the winner of the NFC. I like it. Let's go to the AFC. Who do you think that wins the Jets and the Colts this weekend? Well, 
You know, I'm gonna be pulling. I'm gonna be pulling for the Jets because uh, Rich Ryan is my favorite coach. Why is that? I, you know, I love his personality. You know, I think you know. I think some of these guys take themselves way too serious. We're just football players and basketball players. I tell you, there's only five real jobs in the world: teachers, firemen, policemen, doctors, and people who are in the armed service. And I think Rex Ryan gets it. I know he loves his job. He loves defense. But he doesn't take himself that serious. And I love that. What did you think of all this craziness that, uh, that's none of our business that was reported? I just think, you know what, number one, first and foremost, it is not our business. But I, I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I just thought, I thought it was hilarious. It's, I agree. What people do in their private life is nobody's business. You with their wives. I, just, I, with, with I, their thought wives. Was, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> Why do you think it's hilarious? Just to think about it, a coach who is as freaky as the players, I love that. <laughs> so who wins the Jets and the Colts? I know you're rooting for the Jets. Do you think they're going to actually go in and knock off Peyton Manning in a rematch of last year's AFC Championship game? I do. I think they're going to win. Oh, I think the, I think. I think the Colts. Used up all the energy the last four weeks, and I'm going to go with the Jets. Okay. Chiefs-Ravens. A lot of people think the Chiefs have their hands full. It's too big of a matchup for them. What do you think? I think, honestly, I think Kansas City is going to win the game. Why does that? I just think their youthful enthusiasm. I, I think they're going to be able to rise up. I think the Ravens' defense is uh, getting up there. Mm. And uh, I think they could have used the bye week. I do. I think they could have used a bye week. So you take and I'm going to go with Kansas City. Kansas City. Okay. So Kansas City takes on a Ravens defense that you think is uh, long in the tooth. A little long in the tooth. Okay. My, one of my favorite players is, is, is Ray. Ray. He's the greatest. And I got, I got love for Ed Reed, but I'm going to go with the upset. Okay. And you go with both upsets, basically, right I'm there. going with both upsets oh, in the AFC. Oh, man. So you have predicted a Jets-Patriots-AFC divisional weekend game, uh, the rubber match between those teams, although the Patriots beat them twice, basically, a couple weeks ago, it seems. Who wins that one? I'm going to go with the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think uh, the quick turnaround for the Jets, I- I'm going to go with the Patriots. Okay. And then uh, the Steelers host the Chiefs. Oh, the Steelers, uh, they're tough. And let me tell you something. You know, the best thing about being rich is you don't pay for anything. <laughs> I would pay to watch Troy Palomalu play. Is that right? That, that guy is a flat-out stud. He's a flat-out stud. I love watching him play. I told you, I don't like paying for stuff. That's the best thing about being rich, all the free stuff you get. But I'd actually pay <laughs> to see Troy Palomalu play. I like to say that there's the Steelers' defense is like Samson. They're stronger with their hair than without it. Oh, man, you can he's see unbelievable it. to watch. So that means you'll be calling the Crafts for tickets because you're saying that uh, you'll pay to see the AFC Championship game, Pittsburgh at New England. Who do you who do you take in that one? Do you think anybody's going to beat New England? I don't think anybody's going to beat New England. I think that Bill Belichick, man, he, they just reload. You know the thing that's scary about them? Mm-hmm. If you look at all the draft picks they got coming in the next two to three years, they could have another little mini dynasty here. I mean, their defense is very young. They got two number one picks, two number twos the next two years. And two number threes and two number fours, by the way. They're going to be scary, not just this year, but I'm talking the next four years. You know, because Tom is playing at a high level. They're going to be able to reload. 
they're going to be tough to beat the next three or four years. So you are let, – let, let's bust out the uh, video of William the Refrigerator Perry. You've got New England taking on the Bears in the Super Bowl. Uh, that'll be 24 years after they, they, they played each other and uh, 25 years. My gosh, you, you're, you're nostalgic right here. The 25 years after the, 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 80s, the, uh, the 85 Bears, you've got New England and the Bears in the Super Bowl. Who wins this one in Dallas, New England and Chicago? I'm going to have to stick with New England. I think I just think, you know, Coach Belichick with a couple weeks to plan for anybody, uh, I, I'm going to have to go with the New England Patriots. All right. So you, Charles Barkley says the New England Patriots beat the Bears in the Super Bowl, and that's uh, that's that's a that's a good prediction. I'll tell you because I, I don't see anybody not the way that Brady's playing. Did you know they had they turned the ball over only ten times in the regular season? And Brady, that was, I, I saw that stat. That's like the record for 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 the for the league. It's a reg, it's single season record by far. I mean, it's three turnovers better than what the Giants did in the year that the Giants ruined their perfect season. It's unbelievable. You know, but the thing is, Tom is so smart. And Bill, you know, just, listen, he found that little woodhead kid. Yeah. And, not, you know, you're like, well, he's played terrific. And then you got, you know what's funny about playing sports? You know, they call that one kid Jarvis Ellis, whatever his name yeah, is. Yeah, the law firm, Ben Jarvis. Law firm. Man, that is the best thing about playing sports, the nicknames that we give each other. Yeah. I mean, that is typical locker room humor, calling that kid the law firm. That is so awesome. Uh, I can't let you go without getting your thoughts on the national championship game that I, I assume you'll be there um, oh, yeah, in, can't in, wait. in Arizona to see your, your alma mater with Cam Newton go against Oregon. Uh, we're going to have Urban Meyer on in a couple minutes right here, as a matter of fact. Hey, do me a favor and tell him, man, I'm a big fan. Uh, tell him I wish him great retirement. You bet. Uh, long as, hey, listen, I'm, I pull up for the SEC, and he, I'm a big fan of his and wish him a great retirement. Oh, you got it. So what do you think about um, what do you think about with uh, with this national championship game? What do you think? You know, to be honest with you, man, I'm a little concerned about the layoff. Uh, I think the layoff is going to hurt Auburn more than it hurts Oregon. Because they said speed is going to be fine. I mean, I think you can practice speed. Uh, I just think that the key is going to be to score the game. I don't think Auburn can get in a shooting contest with them. If we can keep it under 30 points, I think we can win the game. But if they get over 30, I don't think we're going to win the That's game. That's going to be tough, man. Oregon scores 30 points falling out of bed, it seems. I know. That's why I said I don't think we can get in a shootout with them because I think the difference is they got – five or six playmakers and we got one guy who's like a Swiss army knife. <laughs> you know, Cam Newton is our offense. Like he does it all. And I just think, uh, I just don't think we can get in a shooting contest, a shootout with them. And, uh, and I think given I do, I, I'm just concerned about the score. If it's 30 points or less, I like Auburn. If it's more than 30, I like Oregon. Now you you know uh, Brad Smith of the Jets, the guy returns yes. kicks and and the quarterback. Sometimes. He was a quarterback at Missouri, wasn't that's he? That's right. That's right. Yeah. He's, he's in the pistol formation. You know what his nickname is? What's that? Swiss Army knife. I like that. See, I like that. I love the. You know, I'm a big Rex Rex fan. I, I pull for the Jets just because I like their coach, mm -hmm. and I just hope you know because people just it's weird how once you become successful, people start taking shots at you. And I hate that everybody's taking these shots at Rick just because he loves his job and has a lot of fun. He should have fun. It's only football. It is only football. 
and I appreciate you taking the time to break it down for me, Charles. You're the best. No problem, my brother. You take care of yourself. You got I will. Hope to speak to you down the line. For sure. Let me know how my picks turn out. Uh, I'll, be pay- I'll be paying close attention. Trust me. Okay. Sounds good. Right. Thanks, Charles. Thanks. The other story other than the NFL playoffs going on is all the uh, coach openings that's going on around the National Football League. Reshuffling of management now that 20 teams have missed the National Football League postseason. And a name that you don't hear being bandied out there is only one of the most successful college coaches in the history of the game. Joining us right now on the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's fresh off his outback bowl win over Penn State. Former Florida coach Urban Meyer joining us. Coach, we appreciate you taking the time. Oh, you're great. I appreciate being on. You got it. So obviously you, you've made it known that you're not interested in coaching. Are, are, are you ever interested in coaching in the National Football League in your estimation? Well, I think we'll cross that bridge somewhere down the road. I mean, I've always loved the NFL and, uh, uh, you know, growing up, that was always a dream. But I got kind of into college and, and uh, that was that was my home for a long time. And uh, but right now, I'm, I'm really, you know, not even looking forward, not, not even thinking about the future. I'm just thinking about right now, and you know, thank gosh we won that game against Penn State. <laughs> just the taste in your mouth, to knowing that your last game was a, a loss. So we we won the game, or we got great coach in here in Florida. So I'm not worried about the future right now. I'm just happy where where we're at. And so just and where you're at is you're hanging with your family. That's where you're at right now. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go out to ESPN on the uh, work on the. BCS National Championship. Those are great folks out there, and and I'm going to try that for a little while, and then you know see where uh, see where I'm headed. Working with Fowler, it can get addictive. I know that personally. I mean, yeah. he's 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 really good. He's yeah, the best he's great. The, he's best in the business. That Chris he, Fowler. And he's her. great, and same as Kirk Herbstreit. So, so you're going to try a little bit of the media, and then you're going to then you're going to see where 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 things land from there. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I got a girl that's a sophomore in college. I'm going to watch her play volleyball the next two years, and I got another one getting ready to go play college volleyball at uh, Florida Gulf Coast. My oldest one's at Georgia Tech, and I got a 12 year old boy that I'm going to coach a baseball team this spring. So. I got plans, and I'm anxious to do it. That's excellent. Well, uh, here, but here's an opportunity. Uh, let's just say in Denver, <laughs> where your college quarterback uh, of the glory days is sitting right there, and they need a head coach. That's something that even maybe in a quiet moment, sitting in your house, you wouldn't be interested in in, in pulling the trigger on something like that. Somewhere maybe way down the road. Not now. No, absolutely not. Not now. I mean, the, the uh, opportunity to coach a guy like Tim Tebow is once in a lifetime, and I had that shot. Uh, and I, and I, I'm just hopeful they hire the right guy, and I'm, I'm sure they will. The Broncos are a great organization because he deserves the best, and you saw what he just did in those last couple games as far as the energy level that he provides everyone else around him. So uh, I'm a big Tebow fan. Oh, I'm sure you are, and so is most of America. It's, I mean, he, he had the hottest-selling jersey in the National Football League this year, and, and that was before he even took the field as a Denver Bronco. What, uh, what, what does it make you think about when you, when, when you heard all of the stuff this point last year was all about Tebow's throwing motion? That's all people were talking about at this point last year. And now you just saw what he did. Uh, do, do you take a little bit of uh, satisfaction in, in a told-you-so sort of way, Coach, with that? Not at all. I, I think because uh, I knew that Josh McDaniels was going to uh, draft him. I knew some other times we we're going to go get him. And football is a, the great thing about football. You get a chance to go do it. You know, I'm, I'm disappointed to get a chance earlier. But the longer he plays, the more he's around people. And if he's in a, in a situation where they let him go play, you know, is he a perfect West Coast? No, he's probably a lousy West Coast quarterback. And just like you know, uh, other guys get stuck with people, maybe are perfect for your situation. So you have to adapt 
and he, he's he's going to he's going to be a winner if given the right opportunity. So, who do you think they need to hire there? Not just a name, obviously, but what type of coach do you think they need to hire for Tim Tebow to take another step forward in the NFL? Oh, I, I really can't even get into that. I don't I don't know their defense. I don't know their special teams, and you know, quarterbacks get too much blame and get far too much credit. <laughs> right. When Tim played at Florida, he had a first rounders all over all over the place too. You know, he had Percy Harvin, he had Marquise Pouncey, he had Mike Pouncey, he had. Um, a kid named Lewis Murphy, who I still think is one of the most underrated players to ever played the college game, and and Aaron Hernandez, who's uh, basically a first rounder the way he's playing. So we had a lot of personnel, and Tim Tim was very fortunate to have those guys around him. Hey, you mentioned Aaron Hernandez, and and uh, he is a New England Patriot, just like uh, four other former players of you. Five Florida players have been drafted by Bill Belichick. I'd love for you to talk about your relationship uh, with the New England head coach, uh, Coach Meyer, and and. And uh, maybe give a little bit of an insight as to as to what type of coach Bill Belichick is. When I was hired at Florida, he called me and uh, said, "Hi, this is Bill Belichick," and I felt like saying, "Well, yeah, this is Pete Rose." <laughs> I, I didn't believe it. I thought it was one of my friends or something. And uh, he came down and he just wanted to, you know, for one straight day. Uh, I mean, he killed me. Now, I mean, we went in the film room in the morning and we didn't get out till night. And I had lunch brought in, and he all he wanted to do was talk about the, the no back passing attack and our spread offense and some things we we're doing. And it's kind of you know it's, it makes you feel good to see that there's still a lot of doing that, a lot of that stuff in the throw game at uh, New England. He's a very serious guy. He's the most in depth uh, person I've ever been around. Us. He comes down. He meets with every one of our prospects. He works them out himself, not someone else. And he'll watch film and have uh, he'll go spend ten to, uh, up to an hour on each player with me and our coaches, finding out what we think of them. That's why they rarely make rarely make mistakes. It's so so basically he watched you uh, uh, as a coach at Utah. Then you arrive in Florida, and and he wants to pick your brain. Is essentially what you just said happened. Yeah, that was about six years ago, and ever since then we've been a very good friend. I mean, like very good friends, and and uh, it's like I call it his annual pilgrimage to Gainesville, Florida. We hang out together all day and uh, go have dinner together, and then he moves on to the next place. Do you see? A, I mean, the fruits of your discussion on the field for the New England Patriots. I mean, if you see this uh, this offense that we've seen this year after him trading away Randy Moss and how it seems to have taken a step forward, do you see some of the fruits of the discussion that uh, that you have with Coach Belichick out there on the field? Oh, yeah, no question. Because, uh, you know, I, he told me from way back how he was going to utilize Brandon Spikes and utilize Aaron Hernandez. And, oh, yeah, I think, uh, well, that's one thing about him. He, he's not mixed for words. You know, the minute you're with him, it's going to be, this is it, this is it, and this is my thoughts, what do you think, and then move on to the next subject. And it's great to see that uh, it's coming true for those guys. Uh, what's your relationship with uh, the commissioner? I know that he has picked your brain as well on the subject of agents uh, and the college game, and I, uh, that you've, you've, you had a one-on-one meeting with the commissioner. I'd love for you to let us in on that. Well, I just admire him, and I, I really I reached out to him at first, and then ever since then we've been fairly good friends, and, and uh, I just talked to him out of fact today. Um, just there, there's a lot wrong. There's a lot of great things going on right now in professional college football, but there's some also some things that are headed in a very destructive uh, direction. Like what? Yeah. Well, just uh, well, you see it every day. The agents, the you know, the money being thrown around, the issues that. Uh, you know, 18-year-old, 19-year-olds are dealing with in college, and now just ridiculous amounts of money and rate. Uh, well, you just, you know, from last February until this year, what it's been at least 20 guys that are being deal- are dealing with some issues that, uh, whether it be agent, whether it be taking money, asking for money for all those things. And I think uh, 
the commissioner, one thing about him is, is well, I think everybody has such respect. He acts. He wants to do. He wants to save college football. He wants to save pro football. Is you know, being, being what it used to be, and that's that's a, a game with a bunch of unselfish people going as hard as they can. Do you think this, uh, a rookie cap would help? And the fact that uh, hey, you know, there's no there's no reason for you to go on campus because the the fifty sixty million dollar contract is not going to be at the end of the rainbow for these kids once they come out. Do you think that that's going to help? situation i don't know enough uh it sounded i, I mean that that discussion's come up a few times and mm-hmm. i think that's appealing and you know I, I just don't know enough about it so what do you think needs to be done what what, uh, what what are you telling the commissioner that you think the the league can do to help alleviate what you say is a destructive force on college campuses well it's it's in the beginning of civilization if you set a law you have to have a punishment for it and if the laws you're not allowed to talk to uh, a senior or a junior and you do you get punished and very severely it's the same thing for the young man if he takes something. Uh, it can't be a slap on the wrist or you're, you're just encouraging it. So it's it's nothing new. I mean, it, how do you want to stop someone from robbing banks and taking things that aren't theirs? <laughs> right. But, you know, you, you punish them severely. And um, I think that's the only answer. You can We can skirt around the issue like we have for many, many years, or that's the only answer. And if people aren't willing to do that, then it's not going to change. Are you saying that maybe if a player takes money as a senior in college, he sits out games once he's drafted as a pro or something like that? Oh, that came up on the phone conversation. We had several this summer with about four or five college coaches and the players' union, and they were great. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think those are all discussions going to happen this spring, though. But you, this is something that you have the commissioner's ear and, and, and you'll move forward with? This is, this is not just something uh, that you – a one-off is what you're saying? I hope so. I hope I'm asked to do that because I'm really, uh, I'm really intrigued by uh, trying to help, and I have a little insight that you know uh, yeah. that I maybe know more than others just because I'm in the battlefield and I see what happens, and it's not, it's not good. Yeah, an 81 percent uh, winning percentage. That that's definitely, <laughs> I would call that uh, being well versed in the battlefield, coach. There's no doubt about that. What do you think about uh, while I have you on the phone? This is a pet peeve of mine: uh, a college. Uh, football playoff a tournament just like the college hoops situation where you get 16 teams and you play it out i mean uh i see some of these bowl games i would have loved to have seen your team move on you know after playing a team like penn state what what are your thoughts on that coach you know i I think it's uh it's the system is is pretty good for an imperfect system the only way that you'll ever have a true true national champion like you tell me tcu is not uh, deserving of a shot to play. That, that's a fantastic team. I watched the first time I got to watch them. And what they did to Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl just tells you the quality of the team. When I was at Utah, you know, I was a big fan of the uh, playoff system. But when you get to a place like Florida, if you had to play one more game after we played Oklahoma, I'm not sure we could line up because you went and played Alabama, number one in the country, and you turn around and play Oklahoma, number one in the country, and to keep going. So it's you know I'm glad I'm not charged with trying to fix that because that's I think that's that's it's it's extremely tough. Uh, the system in place is obviously as far as making money, as far as fan uh, fans being involved, it's great. But I just don't know if they can ever do a playoff. You mentioned Utah. Your quarterback there was Alex Smith. What are your thoughts on on his future in the NFL and your conversations that you have with your your former quarterback there in Utah? Well, I'm blown away. I thought he would be one of the top uh, NFL quarterbacks. Uh, I haven't had a lot of experience coaching those guys, but he was he was off the charts. Competitor, intelligence, work ethic, athletic, throwing delivery, getting the ball out fast. And I really like Mike Singletary. He's gone through four or five coordinators. I'm hoping he just settles down. And uh, he, there's no better guy 
uh, as far as a role model for kids to watch. He's smart. He works at it. And I'm just hoping it settles down. He gets to be on a great team and uh, can go win some games. Do, do you have conversations with him? Does he? Oh yeah, yeah. I talk to him. Uh, not not real often. When he first left us, we talk almost once a week. Now it's you know every couple months. Right. And what do you think a college coach's role should be? Is it more important to get the guy ready for the next level if he has that ability, or you get everything out of him he possibly can to be successful at the collegiate level? Where do you stand on that? Because there was so much talk about that in regards to Tim Tebow's readiness that we all found out that he has. But I'd love to get your thoughts on that uh, debate. Oh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's very simple. Uh, our job is to graduate athletes, represent the university, and win games. And uh, that's real clear. Every job that I've been interviewed for or have coached at, Bowling Green, Utah, and Florida, that was it, graduate, represent the university, and then you find a way to win some games, you know, whether it be wishbone or drop back, whatever it is. And so uh, I think a place like Florida and the SEC, you're going to get them ready, you know, unless that game is so much different than the NFL. And, and I think the media makes it out more than it is, but there's not that much difference between a Southeastern Conference football game and an NFL game. And, you know, Tim will tell me that, and Brandon Spikes tells me that. It's sometimes coaches make it more complicated. So uh, I think a, a job of college coaches is to try to go in a game. Do you think a national champion could uh, be competitive against uh, an NFL team that has one or two wins? Do you think that would happen? Oh, boy. That's a tough question. I, I don't think so because it's loaded with college all-stars, so I don't know that. Right. Uh, last question for you. Do you see yourself coaching again at any level, Coach Meyer? I'm not sure. I'm not ready to answer that yet. Uh, I'm anxious to move on in the next chapter. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time here on on my podcast. It, and uh, it was great watching you at Florida. And uh, I look forward to seeing you on ESPN's coverage of the national championship game and then whatever you want to do. Thank you, sir. You bet. Thank you. Let's get into the nitty and the gritty on all this Black Monday and all the coaches and front office shenanigans and machinations. And uh, I say this with a bit of trepidation because obviously this podcast is taped on a Tuesday and all of this stuff is so fluid that it could change five minutes. The information comes out of the mouth of Jason Lockenfora, who joins us on the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's. Jason, we appreciate the time. I know your your BlackBerry is probably buzzing <laughs> off its hook right now. So That's thanks. all good. Better, better to be busy than the alternative, right? Yeah, I hear you. No question about that. And this is obviously a busy time. All 32 teams are newsmakers again because of the fact that uh, everybody's 0-0 uh, who didn't make the playoffs and everybody else who's in the playoffs is up and running. Let's start, I guess, with the guy we just spoke about, Urban Meyer. I mean, you don't hear his name anywhere. Um, uh, so, So there's no NFL teams, not even Denver, that might deep down say, let's go try and bowl him over with an offer for Tim Tebow to coach again? You know, it's certainly conceivable, Rich. I mean, and it would make sense on the surface, but if you've done any homework uh, on the man to this point, you have to take him at his word, and I've talked to a lot of people close to him and a lot of people who have investigated that situation, and for him to jump to the NFL right now, really uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually, lifestyle-wise, does not seem to be anything that really is remotely attractive to him, and as much as he loves Tim Tebow, and you know, as potentially interesting as that uh, combination could be at the pro ranks, I just don't see it right now. He, 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 if anything, he seems like someone who's really trying to scale back where he can. And to jump into that Denver situation right now, or any NFL situation, would just be exponentially more work, more hours, more rigors that he was putting in running that Florida program. Right. Okay, so let's move on then. Um, what do you think the Denver Broncos do 
do with their opening vacancy. Uh, John Elway was on the sidelines of the Orange Bowl victory. That the hottest coach in the uh, I guess in the in the coaching scene right now, Jim Harbaugh. In the universe, Rich. In I the mean, universe. Really, it's unbelievable. <laughs> how hot of a coaching candidate Jim Harbaugh is right now after Stanford Cardinal put up a 40-burger on Virginia Tech. What 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 do the Denver Broncos do? They they are in the Harbaugh mix? They'd love to get him. Uh, Miami would love to get him. San Francisco would love to get him. Carolina doesn't talk about him, but the more people you talk to, how would they not love to get him? They hold the first overall pick. You could have luck and Hardball. You could have that combination. It's not out of the realm of possibility. And if you get that coach, then you know the quarterback's coming out. And, and now all of a sudden, you could be looking at a juggernaut there. Um, and of course, your alma mater, University of Michigan, would love right. to get him. So he is hot. And, and it's good to be wanted. And he's wanted by various entities pretty much geographically spread entirely across the scope of the country. Well, the, the geographically most sound candidate would be the 49ers. I mean, because uh, uh, Stanford is right down the street from Santa Clara, the 49ers practice facility, and Harbaugh could keep his family put. He could essentially stay in the same neighborhood uh, and 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 get his NFL coaching dream. Uh, would you say the 49ers have the inside track at Harbaugh right now if he does decide to go NFL? I, I think in terms of geography and maybe some of that family pool, they, they just had a baby, geez, literally, I think a week ago, um, maybe not even a week. Um, yeah, that all makes sense, but, you know, that's been a difficult place to win, and there's real concerns about what exactly is going on there in personnel and who you'd be working with and who's picking the players. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have a ton of offensive skill talent. I mean, they're on the come a little bit, but... Boy, if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have much. And I'm not sure they're going to in position in the draft to get a quarterback. And those are for any offensive coach, that's kind of your first concern. Um, so I don't really think that matches up for a couple of those reasons there. Uh, you know, Miami is a legitimate uh, contender they, for his services. They need offense. He could sell offense. He could sell tickets. They need all that. But they don't have a quarterback either. And Chad Henney's not the answer. And they finished, you know, just with enough wins to be – you know, outside of really the the zone where you're going to be able to get a franchise quarterback in the draft in all likelihood, uh, I, I just I just have a feeling we haven't heard the last of the Carolina Panthers for for Harbaugh services. Yeah, you think? I mean, you got to think about it if you're their general manager, Marty Herney, and when you talk to other general managers who obviously think like general managers, a big part of your job is managing expectations, right? I mean, you want to manage the downside because you don't want the fallout to outweigh what you actually pull off, right? So. When you talk to people in Carolina, all you heard about for a week was he's going to Michigan, he's going to Michigan, he's going to Michigan. Well, he's not in Michigan yet. Then you hear, well, you know, look, we have a, we, we, we like to go with experienced NFL coordinators, and that's how it's generally happened here. And that's all true. But they're sitting, they've got the ace. I mean, they're, they're the only guy at the table with that ace saying to the coach, look, we can get you your quarterback, right. and to the quarterback, we can get you your coach. And... You know, they had a horrible season, yes, but it's been a pretty solid organization. John Fox got a long ride there. They're into continuity. They're into uh, trying to sustain something. But are they, they into paying? I mean, because Harbaugh is going ha- to name his price. Because for the bottom line, I mean, it's all about leverage, obviously. Uh, he's, he's, he took Stanford to a top-five ranking, right? Uh, he he um, basically has his alma mater – from he's uh, uh, basically needing a Michigan man in the yeah. worst way right now. 
and he goes right back to Bo. I mean, if you want to talk about right. it. So, right. Yeah. And he's he was a ball boy in Ann Arbor. I mean, this guy bleeds maize and blue. He's a perfect candidate for what Michigan needs right now. So he has all the leverage over any NFL team right now that says, well, I don't know. He can name his price. You think Carolina would cough up the money for, for a high-priced head coach? I think if you're Marty Herney and your people in that organization, you're having those discussions with ownership because let's look at this. The quarterback, you're not, it's not, he's not getting $50 million guaranteed. You're going to get Andrew Luck at a bargain. In fact, if you're the Carolina Panthers right now, you love the fact that you're picking first now and not with Stafford or Bradford. Not to say which of these quarterbacks are going to be best, but there's going to be a rookie wage scale. So you're already going to get the quarterback at a bargain versus any first-round quarterback pick over the last 15 years. You, you know that going in, so you're going to save money there. Does, does the, do, do you risk not getting the kid because you, you weren't willing to pay the coach? Because, you know, the kid is sitting there holding some cards, too, saying, well, if I don't like your coach, I'm not going to go there. Well, they've got a period of time here where they can get the coach, whatever it takes to get the coach, and you get the quarterback. Fiscally, that's worth it. I mean, that hmm. you're going to sell tickets. You're immediately going to be better. Look at what Sam Bradford did with St. Louis. I think if, if everybody was healthy in Carolina coming into next season, I mean, I like Carolina's talent versus what St. Louis had last year. Now, Carolina's in a tougher division. I get all that. But... There's some cogs on defense, and I, t- I mean, this kid, you see how quickly it works. I mean, you can, all, you can change the scope of your entire organization in one fell swoop. And Marty Herney is not naive. Marty Herney's really smart. Marty Herney does everything behind the scenes. But as I've talked to people the last couple of days, I just think it's Carolina managing expectations. But I, I, I can't think that Marty Herney hires a coach without at least not flying out to California, sitting down with Harbaugh and laying it all on the table. If I told you at the beginning of the season that Urban Meyer was going to, in fact, step down from Florida by the end of the year, but he wouldn't even be, there wouldn't even be a breath about him being mentioned as an NFL head coach, even in the place where Tim Tebow was drafted and had a, an excellent December and is now going to be the starting quarterback there moving forward. He wouldn't even be mentioned there, but Jim Harbaugh, he would be the hot candidate where everybody wants him. I mean, what would you have said? It's it's yeah, remarkable I, how this is developing yeah, I'm, right I'm now. I'm not I'm not sure that I, I I would have believed you, other than the caveat being obviously Irvin Meyer's health, and right, the fact that you know a year ago he had health issues, and you, you hear a lot of you know things about him and his heart, and and that that obviously is is paramount and, and key to everything. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to risk you know your health if you think that a particular job is going to make it more difficult for you to sustain yourself. So. Yeah, but it is it is kind of miraculous the way this thing is built and the way the momentum is played out. I mean, it even right up to the Orange Bowl to where the offense performs that way and Luck plays the way he does. And it just happens to be in the stadium of an owner who would love to have him there in Miami. Uh, and, and it's the big game and everyone in the football world's watching. I mean, no doubt he he is a man who has a lot of power, but... Again, I think if you if you talk to coaches, I mean, if you talk, if we had Mooch on here with us right now, right, you know, and Mooch is getting hypothetically getting back into coaching, I mean, yeah, the money's going to be pretty good everywhere. You've got a pedigree, you're wanted, but you're you're now you're promising me a franchise quarterback too, right? Well, you know, I just think the allure of that, especially for an offensive mind, to make that jump now and know. You've got the kid. You already know him. You've trained him for three years right. or four. I mean, did he redshirt the first year? I'm trying to remember, but. I mean, you know him intimately. You know exactly how he works. You know coming in, he doesn't have to... That learning curve has been hastened. I mean, he's already probably where he needs to be. What a coup that would be for you the You know Panthers. what I'm saying? How do, you, how do you let that pass through your fingers without doing everything you can behind the scenes to make it happen? Interesting. 
You know. Well, well, you you had a a, a, um, a point and an article on NFL.com this week that Harbaugh and Balky, Trent Balky, the guy who everybody assumes is going to be the general manager in San Francisco, that they may not be compatible, and that Harbaugh is being told by all his folks, including his brother, that it's crucial to go to a place Absolutely. with a personnel guy that you trust, that you like, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, so that that in that respect, why don't we hear Harbaugh's name in Cleveland, where? Obviously, Mike Holmgren has an incredible amount of respect as a as a grocery shopper. And here's an opportunity because Harbaugh, what I know about Jim, uh, being a Michigan guy and being a, a colleague of Marshall Fox, who was a teammate of Harbaugh's in his captain comeback years of Indianapolis. Right. Is this is one of the most competitive guys you will ever meet. And what better way to appeal to the competitive side than saying, come to the NFL and play your brother twice a year? And and it's the team, your brother coaches the team that everybody hates the most in Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, that, that's that got to be a sell, don't you think? But we- I, you know, I, I think there's some allure there, um, certainly. But I, I think that's another case where you, you don't have the quarterback. You don't, other than Peyton Hillis and Joe Thomas, boy, do you have any building blocks at all? Right. Really on offense, um, it, it, it's not particularly glamorous. Uh, I just think that that job goes to someone from the Holmgren family tree. And I mean, who's that? The Cleveland job. No, yeah, no. I mean, who, who, who do who, I think gets yes, it? Yes, yes. Uh, I think John Fox or Marty Morningweg. I mean, John Gruden is a candidate, but that's another one where when Gruden comes back and relaunches himself as John Madden 2.0, you know, <laughs> you imagine a young John Madden coming down from the booth with the Super Bowl rings. You're, you're again, you're the shot caller. And he loves the owner. He loves Holmgren but he doesn't love that offensive talent. And frankly, you know, living on the country club in the sun, is, is that's not a bad lifestyle. And, and moving to Cleveland, going there with, without a quarterback, uh, without really an offensive line, that's a, they're still pretty early in their rebuild. And they're in a tough division. Uh, you got to play Baltimore and Pittsburgh twice a year. I don't know that that's where John La- John Gruden relaunches himself. Well, so, so obviously all the, uh, the interim coaches get tags removed. And you you hear that uh, Cincinnati is is not done with Marvin Lewis just yet. How, well, yeah. how I know that. Listen, we'll I don't, see where that one goes. I know exactly. We'll and, see where that one goes exactly. because that's had a lot of twists and turns. Yeah, I mean, it goes from he's done. He, he wouldn't even come back if he's asked, and now there's discussions that he could stay and and all of that stuff. And I don't want to date this entire conversation. Right, right. So let's go a little bit macro here and ask you how much the collective. Bar- bargaining agreement scenario is playing into what coaches, uh, what general managers and owners are going to do with their head coaches and staying put for at least the next year moving forward. Do you think that this is, in fact, a factor with what's being decided? Not not to as large of a degree as I honestly thought, Rich, because there were some who thought that if the CB, if, if there was a real sense among ownership that this thing is going to be knocked down, drag out into the season, we're going to we're going to have a truncated season. We may not play football. Then you, why not ride it out with a Wade Phillips? Why not ride it out with a Brad Childress? Both those, neither of those teams are going to make the playoffs anyway. You know why wait to week seventeen to fire Singletary? Um, you know if it's going to be that bad, then cut your, then stick with what you have. Don't go adding more payroll on top of your payroll, and let's ride this thing out. But the fact that we saw so many changes made in season, and then when all said and done, we, we could be over double digits in terms of teams that change over from the season before. That's almost a third of the league. 
I don't think it really has factored in. Maybe a little bit in, a, in the timing of certain moves, but I think when you look across the league at, uh, you know, who's willing to shake things up and who's willing to do what, you know, the fact that there probably looks, I mean, it looks like a full-scale bidding war for Jim Harbaugh, I don't think it has. I mean, the prevailing sentiment is it could get worse before it gets better in terms of a CBA, but I don't, I don't see them killing the Golden Goose. I, I just don't. Um, whether whether it means we get a deal in June, and yeah, you lose some off-season time, but I got news for you, Rich. The off-season, as we know it, is over. Whenever we get a CBA, this idea of guys showing up March 15th and lifting together for six weeks, and then five weeks of OTAs, and then five it's weeks absurd. of training camp. It's absurd. It's over. It's, it's, been a, it's over. Been a, it's been absurd. Well, here's the thing, though, is will the commissioner be able to uh, truly change the culture that voluntary doesn't really mean mandatory and and the pressure that these players get from management to appear basically year round. Uh, the, the commissioner, I think, when this thing gets finally put through, I think he is going to really lay down the hammer on the first team that dares to mess with that. Uh, well, I, here, here's what I think we're going to have. We're going to have explicit language in the next CBA, especially if it includes 18 games, that will say no NFL team is authorized to ask a player to permit to to report to his – Team facility prior to June fifteenth, and then it's over. Is that it? June fifteenth. That's 15th. what it'll be. There'll be a two week unless you're injured or something like that. Or What's that? Unless you're injured or something well, like that. No, or? well, I mean rehab will be your own thing, and I think players will have an option to rehab at the facility or rehab on their own and check in with the team doctors and, and things like that. But I, I, when you talk to people who've seen some of these proposals that are going back and forth, you hear a lot about the idea of uh, right around after the draft, sometime in May. A week, ten days, maybe two weeks of rookie orientation. Rookies, first year, second year players, they get their they they're handed their installations. They're handed this is how we operate here. It's an it's a sort of an extensive life skills slash you know mini camp type environment for them. But if you're a veteran, you've been in the league more than two years, they they can't see you until June fifteenth, and then you can start your OTAs, and then you take maybe a week off around July the fourth, and then you're in training camp. Do you think the seven and nine NFC West champion Seattle Seahawks, with nine of their losses coming by fifteen points or more, is going to provide some major impetus in changing the playoff seeding process? Do you yes. think that's actually going to happen? Yes, because it already was even prior to that eventuality. I mean, at the league meetings in Dallas, which is about a month ago. I uh, spoke to a lot of people there, and at that point, it still looked like maybe somebody would go at least eight and eight and win that division. And everybody I talked to, just in the hallway, floating the idea, hey, reseeding, yay or nay. I mean, I was getting the thumbs up all over the place. And, and you can call it an anomaly, and it's only happened once, so it'd be knee jerk to react otherwise. But this has been on the table before. Rich McKay has proposed it twice before. He's never gotten more than eighteen votes. He would need twenty four for it to pass. But under this current environment, where it did happen, and it doesn't look good, and it's not fair. Uh, again, I talk to teams who you would think, well, sure, they're going to support it because it's a team like the Eagles that they win 10, 11 games every year. So why wouldn't they support it? But I, I talked to, to other teams that haven't had great success and they supported it as well. Um, so I, I could see it being a close vote. If they, if they bring this before the competition committee sometime in the off season, uh, I think he's going to get more than 18. Will it get 24? Maybe it falls a little bit short. But I can tell you that people like Rich McKay will continue to bring it up. Um, because, Rich, think about this. When we go to 18 games, and again, I'm assuming that's, that's going to happen, you could have a team winning a division at 9-9 nine and nine 
and a team that wins 13 games not making the playoffs. Well, I mean, here's what I think needs to happen. I think that they should just, if you don't finish 500 and win your division, you still get to go to the playoffs, but you don't get a home game. So in this, that, and, and, and that's what we're talking about. That is the proposal. Right. Yeah. Good, good. Because Keep to me, the to me. the sanctity of the division. Right. Absolutely. Hey, you won your division. You're in. I don't care what you did. Good for you. Kudos. Basically, but you don't get the home gate. You right. don't get an automatic home gate. To me, to me, that would mean that the, the Eagles get the Seahawks visiting them this week and the Saints host Green Bay, just to use the, this right. year's uh, scenario as a template. To me, that's what should happen. And and the Saints should not be on the road in the twelfth man, where anything can happen on a short week. I mean, it, it you know it, that that to me um, strikes me is patently unfair. It really is. It, the Seahawks should be in, get a chance. You can have a chance, but you've got to go to the back of the line. You can't you can't get a leg up. Absolutely, you reseed three through six, and based based on record, and you throw out the fact that somebody won a division in there. That division got them to that point. That got you within that right. three, four, five, six range. But now you're you're clawing for it like anybody else. The Dolphins, if if Harbaugh doesn't come, and again, a lot of people are connecting dots because Stephen Ross's name is all over the Ann Arbor campus. I mean, his, yeah. his name is on the School of Business. It's the Stephen Ross uh, School of Business at the University of Michigan. So obviously he's a Michigan guy. He's a Michigan fan. He knows about Harbaugh, and he saw what Harbaugh did in his home stadium, for crying out loud, to Virginia Tech. If Harbaugh doesn't come, does Sperano stay? Is that the only guy that could cost Sperano his job? Not not necessarily. I think John Fox could be a backburner guy there, and they'll have to assess, does John Fox make more sense than Tony Sperano? But make no mistake, Tony Sperano met with ownership. He was not given a timetable. He was told, we'll get back to you. Don't call us. We'll call you, basically, right. um, and let you know where things stand. So anyone who they deem could be a better fit, sell more tickets, et cetera, than Sperano would be in play. What about uh, Tennessee? I know you were all over that situation. How do you see uh, that playing out with uh, with Jeff Fisher and Vince Young and Bud Adams and the Tennessee Titans? Yeah, well, if Bud doesn't budge, I can tell you Jeff Fisher certainly won't. So if, if Bud is married to Vince Young as his quarterback, Jeff Fisher will not be back there, whether that means Jeff Fisher has a contract buyout, whether that means Jeff Fisher goes into broadcasting for a year to fulfill the last, you know, and, and doesn't compete against them for a year uh, and sits that out as his contract expires, whether that means Bud tries to, you know, sell that contract in essence to another team and have someone else take Jeff Fisher off his hands. He won't be back there. Um, it's in his contract that, you know, he can pick the players and have control of the 53-man, and that starts with a quarterback. He, he won't budge on that. Did you see what Florio put up on ProFootballTalk.com, the uh... – the Titans Christmas card. Did you see that? I did see that. It's Bud Adams in yeah. between Vince Young and Chris Johnson, and Jeff Fisher's nowhere to be found. Yeah, no, I, I, I <laughs> on the happy holidays before. from the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I'll have to try to find, uh, go through my closets and see if I kept old Christmas cards <laughs> and see if they always featured Jeff in the past. I'm not sure, <laughs> but the fact that Vince Young is in there at all. I mean, it, look. I mean, there's there's one individual who owns each of these teams, except for the Packers, obviously, and. You know, they, it, it, it's not always just about X's and O's and football and business. And people ask me to explain decisions sometimes, and, and you can't really explain them because these are human beings. Sometimes maybe they're not doing the most, what we would think, rational things in the world. Right. Emotions do matter. Personal ties do matter. Family ties do matter. Um, all that sort of is a part of it. And, and Bud Adams obviously has a connection with Vince Young that may defy to what us seems like logic. But if it's real, and it seems to be real, and it matters to him, and he's calling the shots... Hey, you get your quarterback, but not your coach. All right, Jason. I don't think we missed anything, did we? I think no, we, we. Hopefully, we didn't. Again, hopefully, we didn't completely.
completely outdate ourselves here. But well, I, listen, it is what it is. It's a serious league, Rich. But I just wanted to bring everybody who listens to this podcast the absolute latest that we could possibly give them. And this is a, as fluid a situation as possible. And, and it's a crucial time, obviously, for fans of teams who didn't make the playoffs. It's now time for, for hope to begin springing eternal. This is it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know? and, and, you know, look, last year, would the Kansas City Chiefs be here without Charlie Weiss and, and Romeo Cornell? I mean, some, we don't talk about the coaches as much as the players, but even the assistants and the coordinators, it matters. I mean, Hugh Jackson in Oakland, we could go down the line. Perry Fuel and the Giants, they, right. they matter. Well, the Giants are going to keep Coughlin. That's what they said. Not only are they going to keep Coughlin, they're going to give him an extension. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, I know a lot of Giant fans are scratching their heads over that, including the Worm, who's uh, who's now working for the Fox Soccer Channel. So, we Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. I heard about that. Well, Good for him. Yeah, I know. Worm might call I'm him. a fan. As you know, I'm Rich, not. I'm a fan of FSC. <laughs> I do not. I know. <laughs> I know that, Jason. All right, man. We appreciate the knowledge and thought. Where are you, where are you going this weekend? Are you going I somewhere I do not first? know yet. I'm so immersed in coaching Swamp like substances i'm stuck in the muck here with the coaches so, so i, I don't just even, I haven't even st- thought about the playoffs you yet. may even be in straight information man role for nfl game day morning i now. may be my my role is to be defined i believe to so. tbd like yeah, uh I'm going like, with the flow like well let's not date ourselves then <laughs> yeah, exactly. all right jason thanks for the time hey thank you rich you bet we're going to switch gears here on the rich eisen podcast presented by papa john's uh we've been um we've been waiting for this for a few weeks uh, our very own resident NFL media critic, uh, a keen eye placed upon the pre- and post-game shows, and here to finally give in the final grades to all of us in the NFL media, and also who knows what else he wants to talk about, the Academy Award-winning director, Steven Soderbergh. Steven, thanks for joining him. Thank you. Happy New Year to you, by the way. Oh, a happy New Year. <laughs> I have a question for you. At which point uh, is on the calendar... Um, is it too late to start wishing somebody a happy new year in your estimation? Well, I usually stop saying it about 10 minutes after midnight. Is that... And then I pick it up again in June. <laughs> so it's like a six month. Then they don't know if you're saying it from last year or next year. Yeah, that's, I mean, and that's also in between the Jewish new year and, and I guess the, the, the calendar new year as well. So people might think you don't know where you are at this point in time. Yeah. Let's just, Let's mix it up. <laughs> and also, when I do analysis mm-hmm. like this, yes. um, my name is the Bituation. <laughs> what do you mean by that? That's my name. <laughs> what is your name again? The Bituation. The Bituation? Yeah. So that's, that's how like a, a jersey. Sh- so I should refer to you, Steven Soderbergh, as the Bituation yes. for the rest of this. And, for and this, for this. Is that because you've been working on your abs? Uh, right around Raritan yeah, Bay, just, or you what gotta is that? Have a, you gotta have a, you know, a moniker. I got, I got it. Okay, so the bituation. Uh, you have been watching an absurd amount of yeah. NFL pre and post game shows. Yes, uh, more than you ever would in your wildest. Well, it's funny, you know, when I was really little, I watched a lot. Okay. Um, Growing up in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I was seven when they split up the uh, the leagues. Mm-hmm. I was really upset. You were really upset at yeah, when, when, even at age seven. <laughs> you threw a, a why? Why were you so upset? About well, I thought that? they had a great rivalry, right, going, and I didn't get it. Okay, so, so you've now watched. Uh, uh, so, where do you want to start with this? I know you've got some notes. Do you have like your favorite? Do you have some, a pet peeve? I mean, where do you want to well, start with this? Of, I mean, the good news is for everybody. Mm-hmm. In general, this coverage is pretty amazing. Okay. I mean, 
the technically the shows are really impressive um i think mm-hmm. and the level of of you know the the on camera talent is really good i mean ranges from really good to great and so i feel like for fans this is really you know we do that i watch sports all over the world we do this stuff better than anyone is that right oh yeah it's not even close why i mean why is that because normally you know uh, i've watched it around the world too normally there's there's like some really hot babes sitting on the set and stuff like that i mean we 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 really don't don't have that here in, in america no, because we're, you know, when it, especially when it comes to football, I mean, people are serious. Um, but this is, in general, I find, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a really brutal piece, actually, in Rolling Stone this week about this subject. It's, uh, it's who, pretty funny. Who wrote funny. it? Matt Ta- Taibbi. Taibbi? Yeah. Right. Yeah, he's, he's... Really brutal. I know. <laughs> he's, 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 he's nasty sometimes. I mean, yeah, but, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, he's he's pretty upset. I'm not that upset. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, these people are very, very knowledgeable, and the the breakdown, you know, the breakdown stuff between plays, what they can show you technically. I mean, it's it's really just really great. If you okay. love the game, it's really it's so much better than it was, you know, 20 years ago. So you you overall. Uh, are grading everybody with CBS and yeah? I mean, I feel like the I feel like the floor is is pretty good. Okay. Um, technically, it's annoying that a couple of these channels are in seven twenty. That's true. Instead of ten eighty, we're we're in ten eighty on the NFL Network. Yeah, I mean, come on, this is they should upgrade yesterday. And the high definition. Yeah, that's that's absurd. Front. Okay, so that, that all right. I'm I'm trying to find out where when's the bituation going to come out here. I mean, because you're right now you're glowing, which yeah, I'm thrilled well, to we're hear. Gonna, we're going to get into some detail stuff. Like, okay. Um, on Fox, you know, for instance, you got Jay Glazer, who I like, but the the face hair is a little <laughs> it's a little porn for me, <laughs> even for me. Okay. Um, uh-huh. You know, Bradshaw, Terry Bradshaw, who was coming up. In Pittsburgh, when I lived there, right. Um, obviously, out of his mind. But um, <laughs> the good news is that even when he can't find his mind, he still speaks it. Um, like I, I like it. the other day uh-huh. on the Rex Ryan question, everybody was kind of tap dancing around it, and he just came out and said, "I don't know if I'm a player, and I'm listening to him talk to me. I think." I'd be thinking about it. Thinking about the, the foot stuff. Yeah. And I thought, you know, yeah, you would. <laughs> and nobody else wanted to say that. Right. So you give him credit, but normally you just think he's lost his mind. Is what well, I mean, he's, he's entertaining, but wow. Right. He is all over the place. Um, you know, Howie and Michael uh, do their homework. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jimmy Johnson's hair... Um, should apply for statehood. Um, it's pretty awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I got a little hair envy there. I know, me too, man. I'm, I'm, I can't. I'm follically challenged. We both are, Stephen. Yeah, yeah. I'm using a laser comb now. See, but you've done, you've done the full Daddy Warbucks, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, I go a little tighter 
than you. I yeah, know. yeah I, I, I do it all I can do. I can't, I can't do the glazer either. You know, I couldn't do any of that stuff. It's just none of it. I'm not happy about any of it. But, you, uh, you know, he's an ultimate fighter, though, and I know you're a fan of, uh, of, oh, yeah. of that situation. Oh, which yeah. We'll talk about your new movie, Haywire, coming up. Yeah. So, Fox, uh, what do you Yeah, I don't know why on set they have those people behind them looking at screens. That's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> I, I store. I, I get interested in them. I want to know what's going on over there. <laughs> if they're playing Tetris or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like angry there's birds. Just four of them. Like I don't know if they're taking orders. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so um, that's they try. They try to do too much comedy. Mm-hmm. I think on Fox. I think they should leave that uh, to the pros over at The Simpsons. Um, now the good news is, I for my money, I know he's a somewhat controversial figure but i think joe buck is great i love joe i think he's the best play-by-play guy you think so more than michaels more than more than yeah i do i just think he's really i think he's funny i think he's smart i think he says i don't think he holds back um i just think he's really really good well i know you're a huge baseball fan too so you you like joe yeah and i mean it's it's doubly impressive to see him sort of switch you know from one to the other and not skip a beat. He's, I think he's really good. So do you have an overall grade? Does the bituation have an overall grade? So I give, I give Fox, uh, I think, well, I, I, I give them a B. Okay. I give them a B because of the, uh, the 720. They should be a 1080. Uh, so they get a B. Um, and, oh, I got a note here. Mike, I'm not hearing him anymore. Nothing. You there, Steven? Yeah. Okay, can you sorry hear me? about that. Yeah. So you give them a B, basically, is what you're Yeah, saying. I give them a B because of the 720 1080 issue. Oh, okay. Um, All right. But, so. um, oh, I have a question here because I've got sure. Pam Oliver's name. When did, when did female sideline reporters come in? When did that start? Leslie Visser uh, is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame because she was the first. She was the first, I, I believe, back in the mid to late 70s. I mean, she's been there for, she, she is the, uh, she is sort of the, uh, what do I say, Betsy Ross, if you will. Uh, uh, okay. I mean, if she, if, if there was a, if there were, if there was a flag making aspect of it, I guess. Right. For lack of a better phrase, I mean, she was definitely. Oh, how about this? She's the Amelia Earhart of uh, of sideline reporting. There you go. And and do you talk shop at home? <laughs> With my wife. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, uh, my wife puts the bituation to shame when it, oh, comes, I know. When it comes to. But I wouldn't ever she did. want to refer to her. No, I would never that. do that. But that's why I referred to yourself that it puts. I, I think I just referred to the bituation. Is, is that the second person that I did that? Or, it might be the fourth person. I can't even figure it out. Yeah. But but yeah, she, my, my wife, because she, you know, she did it for a few years. Uh, Suze is very, she, she's very critical. You all like people do that. So, but yes, uh, so there's a lot of note giving at okay. home. So Good. Pam That's... Oliver, yes. So Pam Oliver is part of the B grade for Fox. Yeah, I mean, look, I think overall they 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 do a good job. I mean, obviously the entire network is like on steroids. It's <laughs> it's really they're coming at you hard, but uh, I think they they're solid. They do a good job. You know, I'll talk about those networks in a minute in comparison to to where you work. Okay, but, uh, but yeah, they I, get they get a B because of the picture quality. I'm getting I'm I'm holding my breath for when you hit NFL Network. All right, oh, so yeah. let's move to. Right, I have another note here that the clothes mm-hmm. on Fox by Joseph Faboud. <laughs> um, okay. uh, to me, it looks like everybody just walked off the set of Dick Tracy. <laughs> That's my opinion. <laughs> Because is it all pastel? It, 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 yeah, it's just the 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 palette and the shoulder. The shoulders are like as wide as these people are tall. It's unbelievable. Okay, 
All um, right. I love it. You're down. I mean, you're you're down to the sartorial oh, you uh, got splendidness. I mean, that's, that's that's where your eye goes. As, as my wife would say, too many points, <laughs> um, including people milling about in the background that yeah, that, right. that distracts you from what Kurt Menefee is yeah, saying on the set. To do. Okay, so uh, let's uh, move see, to moving on to CBS, CBS. Obviously, excellent picture quality, mm-hmm. and I feel like they do something interesting with the um, the audio. I think they're compressing the the announcers so that they can push the game up a little louder. Mm-hmm. I feel like their their on field stuff's louder than uh, most of the other networks, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Uh, you know, Jim Nance, Phil Sims, again, very good, but I like Joe um, better. Okay, um, all the in studio guys are are solid. Um, you know, nothing. They don't have anybody sort of out and out nutty as Bradshaw, but um, they're all you know, Cower and Marino and. Sharpness, Ice, and James Brown. Those guys are all very solid. Well, I mean, James Brown is, wins the Emmys. I mean, he wins Emmys, that guy. Yep, and, exactly. And Shannon, what, I guess you, you have to talk about his garb, right? He, I mean, uh, he, yeah, it looks like he's kind of raiding the Fox uh, closet over there <laughs> and then, you know, hightailing it over to CBS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty, it's bold. It's so, bold. So that you don't have, a, do you. Hmm. So the CBS, there's nothing that's standing out except the picture quality to you? Is that what it is? Uh, yeah, and that they're, you know, again, very, very, very solid, very good. I don't, I didn't walk away from that feeling like they they, they screwed anything up or they missed anything. Okay. Again, I'll get into some macro stuff when I, when I talk about everybody. Okay. Um, but I thought that I'd give them, um, I'd probably give them, I'll give him a B plus for B reasons I'll plus. talk about later. All right. Okay. Now let's move to NBC. Let's NBC, to- same. Okay. Uh, B plus, excellent picture quality. Mm-hmm. Got really, really good announcers here. You got Costas and Patrick. You got Al and Chris. You got Ronnie Harrison and Tony Dungy, Peter King, Andrew Kramer. These are all, you know, smart people. I thought they were great. I thought their coverage of the game where Joe Webb, you know, had that great big first game the other week. Mm-hmm. I thought they were great with that. I thought they were great. You know, in calling the game, I thought they were great discussing it afterwards. That's the kind of thing where, you know, I think people, when you, when you have a, a story that's happening in front of you, that's where you really see, you know, how good people are. And I thought they, they you know, they did a great job of presenting that. What do you think of the Bob hosting role, where Bob is at the site and then he throws to another host? What Do you, do you think that that's a little there's bit a, a yeah, host there's overlap? Yeah, it, there's kind of a talent overload there. There's no question. But I think, you know, I don't know if the attitude is we're paying this guy so much money that we're going to work him whether he wants to or not. Obviously, we have the sense that Bob wants to do anything that anyone will have him do. He, he, likes, he likes doing that job. You know, and he's, you know, he's Bob Costas. He's, he's Bob very, Costas. He's sort of polarizing, but that's why you want him. Polarizing? You, you call Bob polarizing? Well, he's, yeah, he is to me. Because he's, he's almost unnaturally poised. You know what I mean? It's, it's, he's, he's almost too capable. I mean, I, I, it's, it's, it's sort of, it's just almost unnatural how, how un, un, Flubbable he is. Well, I mean, it's just that's that's you know that's why he has every Emmy. I, I when he's been on the show, I've asked him to just recuse himself one year to give us all a shot. Basically. Yeah, no, I mean he's he's really he you cannot you can't throw one past him. Mm-hmm. You just can't, and that's 
I mean, that's great, but at times, like I said, it's just it's almost inhuman. All right, let's get to ESPN. What do you think of the Monday missed night? Missed them. I missed. I missed all their shows. Are you serious? Yeah, and they're in seven twenty, so it can't be better than a B. <clears throat> so you but that was the one. I was so overloaded. Like. You were overloaded. Yeah. What, what about Berman? You, I mean, you must have some. You got to read the Matt Tybee quote on Berman. It's brutal. I, I'm not. I don't necessarily share it, but it's pretty hilarious. Is it really? Yeah. Oh boy. It's, it's really. <laughs> All right. Let's. Uh, so the, I'll, I'll just. I'll. I'll let him. Uh, I the, can't top him. But the fact that ESPN is in 720 uh, means they can't get better HD. than a B. That's it. Okay. All right. Now you get to NFL Network. Okay. The good news is, and this is not if if. Because we're not mm-hmm. physically in the same space. I, I couldn't blow smoke mm-hmm. up your behind even if I wanted to. <laughs> um, you, guys get, you guys get the A. Is that right? Yeah. I think this is, and I'll tell you why. Okay. The problem with, for me with a lot of the network coverage is that they're in such a hurry. Mm-hmm. And everything is just, no, nobody has any time to say anything but the most sort of cliched, simple kind of sound bite there's just i'd rather somebody go narrow and deep on a subject than broad and superficial you guys have time to get into stuff especially post game i mean i think some of the post that peyton manning drive by that was great yeah thanks and you can tell he likes talking to you guys well we because have... he knows he's got time and he can really talk and he doesn't everybody he doesn't he, he can talk the way he talks to other players you know, when, when he's dealing with his team, it was really great to watch. Well, the neat thing is, is when you have Marshall and Dion there, and I, I've noticed that in the five years that we've done this, so many players run off the field and they run up to these guys and basically say, how did I do? Because yeah. they really want to hear what these guys have to say. Even somebody like Peyton Manning who's going to the Hall of Fame one day. Yeah, right. Wow. So we get it. No, I think, I think, I mean, come on, that, that Michael Vick interview is one of the best things I've ever seen. No kidding. And what, the, he, the, one, the, one with, the one with Jim Mora? The, the one with Jim Mora. Right. I mean, it was, it was kind of an amazing coincidence that Jim got to interview him. Mm-hmm. But the, the, so the fact is, I think he, 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 there was stuff that was gotten there that you might not have gotten that way if it had been somebody else. Well, yeah, that's the the the, uh, the happy coincidence was really uh, planned. No, I mean for him to, they, as you guys were talking about, I thought you guys talked about it really well. And again, you ran, a, you know, it was a long interview, right? And you ran huge chunks of it, which nobody else would run that an interview uninterrupted for that long. Wow, and and I, and I just thought it was like great television. I mean, to have him be able to sit there and go. What could I have done? Did we, you know, and he goes, I wasn't listening to anybody. I wasn't listening to my mom. You know, like, that was unbelievable. When he told him that uh, the DVDs that they gave him to, oh, uh, to pile up in his car. He's piling up his car. He said, so if there was a million-dollar check in that DVD, he said, I wouldn't have seen it. I know. it was, And, again, that's, that only works if it's, if it's Mora asking that question. Right. I know. And that's why, that's why basically, now, our producer the guy, Should the guy be allowed to have another dog? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, here's my here's you my here's think... my solve. Okay, please give him a cat. <laughs> and six months later, if the person from the Humane Society comes to his house, and after talking to him for thirty minutes, if that cat is sitting in his lap, he can have a dog. Because <laughs> cats don't screw around. No, they they they. You will... If you're not nice to a cat, it's not coming anywhere. Dogs are dogs. Dogs are. They're eager. They want. They want to. 
they want to be your pal. If this guy can get a cat to sit in his lap, then he's rehabilitated. And then, and then he can upgrade to the dog? Is that, 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 is that I, I how it works? I think maybe we, he should stick with the cats. <laughs> you can't get cats to fight on cue. They're just like, dude. You're high. <laughs> you don't see no. You don't see cats pulling a, a bobsled. No, you don't see any. They won't do it. The cats will just sit there. Yeah. Um, so so that's, that's, that's your that's your solve is what you're saying for. That's for my solve to see if he wants a pet. All right, I like um, it. I'm a little. I have a note here. I'm a little, little scared of Michael Irvin's mustache. Why are you scared? How does Irvin? It just. I don't, I just don't know what it means. <laughs> maybe it's doesn't maybe it's I don't, doesn't I don't mean know why, I don't know if he's going to bust out with like an Ever G Robinson thing or I'm just I just don't know what it means. It does look like a, a very Clark Gableish, doesn't it? Look it's, like a uh, Yeah, it's uh it's 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 sort of it's compelling. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's your note for Irvin. Yeah. Is shave. That's your note for Michael Irvin. Uh okay, so now you've got NFL Network in A yeah, e- ESPN is a B. ESPN is an incomplete because I didn't incomplete. I, okay. I, I didn't view enough footage. Fox is a B. Uh, CBS and NBC are B pluses. B plus, yeah. Now you wanted to. Is there anything else you want to get? Well, off there's some macro things okay. I think they should do. Um, Please, it'd be cool if they could put like a chip in the football so that the cameraman could shoot that only the cameraman could see. It would mm-hmm. be like a little glow thing, um, so they could shoot a lot tighter and not get faked out. Mm. You know, during like play action stuff or whatever. Well, Jim Nance uh, of CBS says that the league should put the chip in the football just so it can. Uh, you can tell that if it ever breaks the plane of the goal line, it lights up. Or that's a great that, idea. That that so basically, maybe you could have a dual chip use, right? Yeah, there. yeah, absolutely. But I just like the idea of a chip in a football somehow, so we can track this thing. Okay, what else? Um, field turf. This stuff's not grass. Why does it have to be green? Hmm. Why can't the red zone be red? Oh, like why can't you have your home team colors on your turf? Like, what's why does it have to be green? It's not grass. I like the idea that inside the twenty. I is think the red zone being red would be cool. If you're running downfield, like you've intercepted a pass, you see the red zone coming before the end. You know, and you hear a guy behind you. That's you know you know you're it's coming. But only obviously in and on the unnatural turf, the field. Yes, turf. right. Okay. I just think that would be. Would me. you advocate uh, an outdoor stadium with grass painting the red zone red? Would you Would you advocate something like that? I'd have to uniformity? speak to the uh, the Environmental Protection Agency about that. <laughs> but uh, I, th- I I just think a red red zone would be cool. I like that note, Stephen. I like it a lot. Um, uniforms. A lot of the newer teams look like arena football. I gotta say, watching the Seahawks the other day, I'm like, that's an arena football team. Yeah, I, I think I think they got a. So some of the older teams have great classic, you know, for the Steelers uniforms are awesome, mm-hmm. you know, um, and even the simple ones. Like I like the Jets, you know, even and the Giants, even though they're kind of old school and simple, but I like them. But some of the newer ones, I think they got to work on. Okay, so so tone it down. Is what you're saying? Yeah, tone either it? tone it down or get or go even bolder. They're kind of. I just feel like they're <laughs> caught in between. <laughs> yeah, how about you know like see through. See through. That'd be neat. Well, I mean, now you're getting almost to the to the lingerie bowl at that yeah, point of time. Exactly, Victoria's Secret bowl. I hear you. Um, I think uh, definitely lap dances in the luxury box. Lap dances. <laughs> uh, if you're not getting those there, I don't know where you're getting them. Okay. Gotta have that. We'll run that one up the flagpole. Um, and then, flags. you know, I made notes about just the game itself, which actually I think is, is part of the reason I think the coverage is feels so good is the game I think is better than ever. I think I think it's more exciting than it's ever been. 
you know, I think a lot of that's because of this, the, the fact that um, since everybody's running spread offenses now, you've got young quarterbacks coming in and excelling right away. And that's great for the game. It's just, it's really exciting to watch. So the game overall gets what in your estimation? Oh, I think the game, I think the game is, I'll give it a B plus because I think, I still think there's some metrics to do about the effect and the effectiveness of certain plays in difficult situations. Mm-hmm. I feel like pe- that people can still be a little more creative about the play calling. There's this great book called The Wisdom of Crowds um, by James Surowiecki. And in Chapter 3, he talks about this uh, economist at Berkeley who broke down three seasons of games mm-hmm. to analyze uh, what people did on fourth down. And he does this. I, I, I'm not going to explain the whole thing. It's, it's all about judging probable outcomes. And he says, basically, once you start crossing midfield, people should be going on it on fourth down a lot. Even it doesn't matter where you are as long as you're he on the just, other side. Look, he just he lays it all out. He just goes once you cross midfield, if you're if you're under fourth and three, you should probably be going for it based on all the probable outcomes. He goes when you're inside the ten, forget it. You should be going on for everything on fourth down. Maybe Belichick's read that book because that seems like what he does. Yeah, I mean he, he's just saying in general this is a classic example of kind of collective risk aversion. Everybody's just kind of decided that you don't go for it as often as you should, statistically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't understand, if you're, if you're a team and you blow down the field first couple of possessions, I mean, why are people going for two more? Well, it just, it, that's like, too- I'd be doing it, I, I, every time I score and the other team doesn't, I'd be going for two. But what if you, if you don't get it, though? That's a real well, handicap. Come on. If you can't, if you're blowing down the field, Right. <laughs> Forget about it. If you, if you're, I mean, if you stop me on defense, you just keep going. I well, just feel like why not? That's like a video game. That's yeah. a video game mentality. I, I just, I don't understand why people don't go for two more often when they're ahead. Okay. Uh, but in general, I have to say, watching the game, you know, these coordinators, God, they're good. The people that do this stuff for a living, the adjustments, they, how quickly they adjust, to, you know, offensively and defensively, it's pretty amazing to watch. I got to get you on a field so you could see how how fast the game is in person and how oh, huge, how huge these players are, and how spot on these refs are more often than not, and how amazing it is, is it that they. No, you can they're tell right? they're they're very. Th- these people are really really good. Um, I have a I have a, hot, a rhetorical question here. What's the Pro Bowl for now? Uh, what do you mean? What's it? It's, I mean, it's, it, it's it before it's before the the Super Bowl now. Is it, yeah, you have I know, an issue I, with I'm, that. You have an issue with that. I don't know. When I, I guess when I was growing up, like everybody played. Yeah, now and it, it kind of felt like a real thing, and now I don't. Does it feel like a real thing anymore? It, it's uh, you know they're trying. The league's trying to struggle with the to make it more relevant. And um, the issue is, is the the commissioner does not believe that the Pro Bowl should be after the Super Bowl. He thinks that when the confetti drops and you hand out the trophy, that's the exclamation point in the season, and everybody's leave him wanting more. That's what he thinks. Put okay. the Pro Bowl in front of it. Well, what does he know? What and and what does the bituation not know? That's what well, I want to know. Uh, that's know, what I uh, want to know. Uh, I tell you what. Um, one thing I do like mm-hmm. is that how people call you coach forever. 
after you've coached, <laughs> kind of like Senator or pres- Mr. President. I just had Urban Meyer on, and I called him coach the whole time. I don't know. It's just the way you're, I don't know. It's just hilarious to me that, that once you've coached, like on any level, like for the rest of your life, you're coach. It's, it's kind of cool. Maybe I picked it up from Cheers. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. You, you know. Okay, so, uh, um, so if I get Commercials. Everything... Do you want to talk about commercials? If you want. If you have the time. I, 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 I got the time. You can cut this out if you want. No, it's okay. Um, what color is Bob Barker? Okay. Is something we all want to know. I think it's orange right about now. Uh, yeah, I couldn't. I adjusted my set, and it's. it's I don't know where. That, okay. What skin that is? Right. Um, is GoDaddy a porn site? You know what? But based on, I think they've had Super Bowl commercials rejected. Yeah, I don't. What do they do? I don't, these spots are so salacious. <laughs> I, I just don't know. Please tell me you've got notes on the Cialis commercials. Do you have? Uh, well, you know my my, my you know. My favorite of all of the viewing that I did, I think mm-hmm. my favorite takeaway was ask your doctor if your heart is healthy enough for sex. <laughs> and I, I made a point of that. And I love how, uh, you know, uh, the, the room that the couple is in uh, morphs into like a running stream. Yeah. And they pitch a tent. And there used to be one where the guy throws a ball through a tire. You know, it's like the it's like the end of North by Northwest. Yeah, it really is. You know, and the it's train really goes right into the tunnel at the end. Like, what are you getting at, Alfred? You know, that's that, these commercials. It's unbelievable. Yeah, obviously, no footage of the guy with a splitting headache the next day. <laughs> like, literally seeing white spots. No, but there's none of that. But that's it's, it's worth it. Though. Clearly, that man did not consult his doctor beforehand. No, he should have. Uh, uh, random note: Mexico uh-huh. Burr is still in jail. He is. How can this be? Well, there's a story that the Giants are, are thinking about giving him a second chance. Well, I mean, come on. He just he shot himself in the leg. Yeah, he's been there for a while. I mean, it's not it's it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't Michael Vick. I mean, come on. I can't I just can't believe the guy's still in jail. Well, I wonder what Tucker Carlson thinks about that. Well, let's that'll be your next <laughs> that's assignment. My, that's my next podcast. Um, uh, so and then the last thing is to talk about, you know, a little about the business itself because we got a labor contract coming up. And what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's going to be interesting because, as, as you know, uh, you know, these TV contracts stipulate that even if there's no season, uh, the league still gets paid. So that's $4 billion, uh, that they still get to, to hang on to. I don't know what happened with that ruling today about the I don't know. That's Players a big Association ruling. wanting to put that money into escrow, which I think there's no way on earth that's going to happen. We're, we're too busy trying to figure out who's getting hired and fired as coaches right now. Yeah, exactly. But, um, but, so but, it's going to be interesting because in comparing – the NFL to to the other franchises, it's far and away the 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 most successful sport. Like it's not even close, and yet its players, on average, are paid the least and have the shortest career span. Well, on average, there's there's more players. So I mean, if you take average, there's there's more football players because there's fifty two man rosters right now. And they're thinking of expanding it too. Oh God! But you know what I mean by average? Because uh, uh, the NBA. You got uh, twelve guys. Yeah, and they're and, making a lot five and a, five point three million on average, and twenty six players in the in in uh, in yeah. In but baseball. these people, these people are twenty five. Like, they they uh, half of them can't put a sentence together after they get out of the league. Their heads have been bashed in. I mean, you got to read that. There was a Malcolm Gladwell piece about you know this issue, and and they did these tests. They go, if you're on a flying wedge on a kickoff and you hit some guy, that's like a hundred G's. That's like driving a car into a wall at 25 miles an hour and have your head hit the windshield. Now do that 20 times a day 
you know, five times a week, six months of the year for 10 years, that, you, so then you what, know, your so brain then, looks like cheese. So then what do you do when you're trying to expand the revenue pie and the way to do it? Well, I'm just saying they don't, they don't, except for, I guess, is the hackers, right. you know, the entertainment industry, as silly as it is, you mm-hmm. know, I'm, a, I'm the vice president of the Directors Guild. We just went through a contract negotiation. We get to see everything. Mm-hmm. We know where all the money goes. It's really transparent. The players don't know where the money's going, other than the fact that there was, you know, $8 billion in revenue. They, they don't know where it's going. So do you see, in, in studying all of this stuff, do you see a way out at all? Or? Well, the, the good news is that, that nobody seems... I think negotiating in public, like posturing in public, is a really bad idea, mm-hmm. and they don't seem to be doing that. So that's that's the good news. But I just don't know. I just don't know how you make the argument if you're, you know, looking at the Forbes list of franchise values. You know, the the NFL has like uh, thirty two of the top thirty four spots. You know, I mean, it's 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 a very very successful. No, and I don't know if you're the players, like how you negotiate when you don't know wh- how it all breaks down. Well, in terms of, of this discussion, it's the first time we're really ever discussing it on this podcast because I like living in Never Never Land. If, if it doesn't work out, then it's a pox on everybody's house, to be very oh, honest. Oh, I agree. Look, there's just there's no reason for this not to, to – It's got to get for, done. For next season not to happen. I, I just – it's it's very difficult. There's no owner right now who would sell a franchise at a loss, you know, unlike some other sports. I just think in this specific case, and Roger Goodell is being very, very aggressive. He's saying, you know, they want to triple the revenue by 2027. That means an extra billion in revenue per year until then. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they think you know, the, the trajectory of this thing is going in that direction, whether it's because of international or Internet or cell phones or whatever, or the, or the network. They obviously think there's, there's money on the table here. So I, I just think they've got to be careful about they can't cry poor, right. I guess is, is what I'm saying. And I hope, you know, I hope they do grow the sport. But I hope, I mean, the 18 games thing is, I, I, I just, I don't know how you, I don't know how you sell that. Well, uh, it's just every August, these games, these preseason games are unwatchable. No one wants to see them. And, and, and people want to see more and more football. Well, if they, look, if they do that, if they make two more of those games real, then they've got a, they've got a prorate everybody's salary. Well, what they're going to do is they're going to also, uh, and we talked about this earlier in the podcast, they're going to change the entire offseason. They're just going to give the players off, and, and this whole nonsense of that they have to work out from March through through May is going to be out. They're going to, you're going to make the offseason a little better. Oh, okay, well, but that'd be good for them. Before, before my bosses downgrade me from an A to a D-, minus, let me talk about your business oh, uh, God, okay. with you. Okay. Your movie Haywire. We'll do this quick. No, no, no. Well, your movie Haywire, when does that come out? April 22nd. April twenty second. Yep. Now I saw I saw uh, a cut of this, or when when you was saw, this last? Yeah, we, last we've June. gone we've gone back and done a little more work since you. Since this you is last June. Should... Last June. Yes. Uh, it. I got to tell you, Stephen, and I'm, we're we're not in the same room either. So I'm not blowing smoke. It was the best movie I saw in two thousand and ten. Best movie. No, well, that that I'm telling you, and you know I you're gonna get a lot of. That, but, no, um, no, no, but no, no, social, no, but social. She's, she's fantastic. Gina Carano, you're talking about. Yeah. She's an MMA fighter, in yep. this, and she kicks everybody's she ass. She can break you in half. And this is this comes out in April 22nd. Yeah. Okay. And who else is in this film? Uh, we got a really good cast. We got Michael Fassbender. We got Michael Douglas. Ewan McGregor. Channing Tatum. Um, who am I missing? Don't forget Banderas. 
Antonio Banderas. He's super. Nice. That's right. Um, Bill Paxton, right? He's in Bill Paxton. Team? Yes, we, it's a, we set our, we put great it's people so around her. It just moves so fast. It's and unbelievable. She's, uh, she's awesome. She can kick some tail. Yeah. And and is it true that you had you had trouble maybe casting some guys in this film because she kicks? Tail? There were a couple of people that that were not comfortable uh, being pounded on by a woman. And she pounds on people. Oh, she she this scene. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a hotel suite. Scene, oh, which amazing. you know, yes, uh, that's uh, that's a lot of fun. And also, and I don't want to give anything more away. The greatest scene involving a deer I've ever seen. There is that. It's unbelievable. That's, that always gets a reaction. That gets a reaction. And you are currently calling me from Atlanta because you are I'm on at the Center for Disease Control. Right um, now, right yeah. now. Yeah. Do they have Purell everywhere in the hallway? They have it everywhere. I'm just they're running a few tests on me. But you've told me that that's that, that's nonsense, right? Because of what you've you've. It only lasts for in theory. It only lasts for like two minutes. And you know this because your new movie is called Contagion that yes. you're going to be that you're shooting right now. Yes. And this is about what? Um, it's uh, it's about the fact that really people should stop touching other people <laughs> and other things. <laughs> We should all live like Howie Mandel and give fist pounds. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, yeah, kind of. That's kind of the message. Okay, it's an action thriller. That's it's a, the yeah, sort of. It's a horror movie. Really? Actually, because it's about a. Th- we uh, we we kill kids. Oh, don't. <laughs> But people brutal. die when when there's a deadly outbreak. Or yeah, disease. no, okay. it's it's, uh, it's scary. And Matt Damon is in this film. Matt Damon and a, and a host of it. We got another big cast in this one, and that's called Contagion. And that yeah, comes out. That'll come out October twenty first. October twenty first. You've got two movies coming out. Yeah. Now I do have to ask you this before I let you go. Matt okay. Damon said, um, and I don't know what he was, what junket he was on, that you're going to retire. You're going to retire from being a director from filmmaking. Is that a true story? Well, you know, he he obviously declined to uh, mention that we were both pretty drunk <laughs> when we had that conversation. <laughs> and I guess I'm going to have to now, next time I see Matt, explain, you know, off the record and on the record because mm-hmm. um, he doesn't understand. Um, but no. Uh, yeah, I'm going I'm to wind it down, and I'm making the announcement now so that people can kind of... On my podcast? This is official? No, no. I mean, I'm just saying I've been sort of putting the word out so that all these various organizations can line up these lifetime achievement <laughs> things so I can kind of do it all at the same time. Right. Okay. So I'm trying to figure out if you're being facetious or not. Are you You're going to be... You, are you, after your your final film that you're doing... Uh, that you're in pre-production is Liberace, right? That's what we're supposed to do this summer, and then I'm hoping to do Man from Uncle next year. Man from Uncle? Yeah. Who's going to be in that? George, I hope. George? Yeah. Oh. I hope. That's Clooney we're referring that's to. That's who I want. Okay. That's not, not, yeah. So George would be the Man from Uncle? Uh, yes, if I have my way. If you have your way. And then after that, you will cease being a filmmaker. Is that I, 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 I'm going into uh, music. Music? No, I'm not. Okay. So you're okay. Well, I do have a rap name though. And what is it the bituation? No, dry ice. <laughs> okay. So you're you're not you're not giving me a straight answer is essentially I, I'm I'm I have an exit strategy. Well you can that do is, the, that is absolutely sincere. I have an exit strategy. An exit strategy, but you you, you may or may not employ it after the man from Uncle. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because look, you know, I mean, I, I, you can never assume anything in this business. I mean, I've been fired, 
So who knows? Mm-hmm. Urban Meyer gave me the same thing when I asked if he's going to coach. Right now, he doesn't want to talk about it. Maybe some down down the road, but right now, he's just focusing on the present. You could just say it is what it is. That's the coaching phrase. It so. is. Okay, that's good. Okay. All right, well, Steven. good luck stitching this thing together. <laughs> this is good. It's been a fun conversation. Thanks this for having me. Are you kidding me? I, I appreciate you giving my network an A. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Carry Steven. on. You bet. And uh, and and wash up after this uh, after this conversation because you're you know who knows what's rolling around there where you are right there. Yeah. Well, this is the place to get sick. That's <laughs> true. Thanks, Stephen. Appreciate right, thanks, it. Rich. You bet. Bye. That is the Academy Award winning director, Stephen Soderbergh, who's uh, got an exit strategy. I better have one, too. Uh, that's it for this edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John's. Thank you to Urban Meyer. Thank you also to Charles Barkley, who says that the Patriots will beat the Bears in the Super Bowl. Thanks also to Jason Lockenfora, who try to make heads or tails of this ever-fluid coaching and front office situation in the National Football League going on right now. Follow me on Twitter at Rich Eisen, also on Facebook.com slash Rich Eisen. You can always find this podcast at NFL.com slash Rich Eisen. That's it for this edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John's. Enjoy Wild Card Weekend, everybody. Stay listening, friends. 